It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. How this day has changed so much in the last five, six years. This used to be a national holiday. It is no more. National Signing Day, people can try to pump it up all they want. It's nothing. Today is nothing in terms of recruiting anymore. It really isn't. We're going to show you what did happen for Tennessee in the early signing period and what won't happen for Tennessee and pretty much everybody else today on National Signing Day. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, welcome into it, your Wednesday edition of Locked On Balls. I'm your host, Eric Kane, the part of the Locked On Podcast Network that is your team every single day. And uh, big thanks for watching and subscribing on the YouTube channel and listening wherever you find your podcast. All right, so like I said in the cold open, <laughs> I mean, it's a national signing day. But I mean, really, and again, and again, I work for a recruiting service, so I understand. I mean, uh, on three, I work for on three, and they're pumping out some graphics. And and again, there are some top flight unsigned or uncommitted players right now that will sign later today, and that is a big deal. But today is today is not National Signing Day whatsoever. It's it's just not. The early National Signing Period in December is what it is now. Now, how much longer will that early National Signing Period last moving forward? I don't know. You know, this this day right here, the first Wednesday of the month of February, it might become a thing again. But for right now, it's it's nothing. Um, but you know, I've seen publications continue to try to pump it up, like, hey, National Signing Day, hey, flash sale, hey, National Signing Day. It's just. It's just not. It's just not it. It's not. Uh, Tennessee fans, you're watching this podcast, Locked On Balls. Tennessee will do nothing today on National Signing Day. There will be some walk-ons that may announce that they're going to the University of Tennessee, but in terms of scholarship players, there's not going to be anything that happens right now. Tennessee did all of its work back in December, so we're going to remind you what did happen back in December, where this class is, and where Tennessee will likely finish in the final uh, 2023 consensus rankings per on three when it's a weighted average of. On three, Rivals 247 and ESPN, that those are wrenching to that ESPN does and messes everything up. So we'll go ahead and uh, and uh, we'll, we'll tell you that all that here in segment number one. In segment two, I, I did have some defensive stats that I brought on the show yesterday and got asked about them continuously in, in the comment section and in the VolQuest chat I did the other night. So I found a couple more. I want to throw those out to you here in segment two. And then in segment three, going to catch up with Will Bowling, 104.5 The Zone. Um, and he is down in Mobile covering the Senior Bowl. So we got a loaded show here on a Wednesday. We'll catch up with Josh Ward um, on next week. So for Tennessee, National Signing Day. Expect nothing to happen, okay? Tennessee currently entering the day. Sits number 12 in the 2023 Consensus Football Team Recruiting Rankings. It is a weighted average amongst um, all the uh, all the recruiting industry, all the recruiting publications out there. The Volunteers have 25 players signed. They did that work back in December. 
according to on three, Tennessee has two five-star athletes, two five-star athletes, 10 four-stars, 13 three-stars for a total of 25 in the class right now. That is fifth in the SEC. Alabama's number one, Georgia's number two. That's nationally and in the SEC. Um, you've got... That's fourth in the SEC, excuse me. You've got uh, Florida that, or no, there's LSU. I was right the first time. So you got Alabama one, Georgia two, that's one, two in both the SEC and national ranks. You have LSU there at five, fifth in the national ranks, third in the SEC. Then you have Florida that's 11th overall, fourth in the SEC, and then Tennessee that's 12th overall and fifth in the SEC. A&M's a few, a few spots behind entering the day with 19 commits. Alabama's 15th in the nation. And sixth in the SEC, Auburn is 16th in the nation, and seventh in the SEC, South Carolina is 18th in the nation, and eighth in the SEC, Arkansas, 22nd in the nation, ninth in the SEC, Mississippi State, 24th, and 10th in the SEC, Ole Miss, 27th, 11th in the SEC. That is not good. Only 14 commits. They've got some work to do today entering National Signing Day. Of course, they uh, did a whole lot of transfer portal band-aids as well. And then you continue to go on. Kentucky's 35th in the country, 13th in the SEC. Missouri's 36th in the country. Um, that's 13th in the SEC. And then Vanderbilt's down here somewhere. I don't even know where Vanderbilt is. They are not in the top 50, which is just horrendous. So that is where the SEC teams stand entering the day. Now for Tennessee, of course, Tennessee, as I mentioned, headlined by quarterback Nico Iamaliava the number one player in the country per the on three rankings. We talked about that last week when I got back from my trip. He is the number one national recruit, number one quarterback in the country, number one in the state of California per on three. He is number two nationally, number two at his position, and number one in the state for both 247 Sports and for Rivals.com. And then ESPN enters the chat, 23rd in the nation, fourth quarterback, and third in the state of California. David Hobbs, who is the second highest rated prospect Tennessee has already signed, signed him back in December. He enters the chat here with on three, the 29th overall player, uh, fourth at his position, second in the state of North Carolina. He is a five star, according to on three, two, four, seven sports and rivals Two four seven sports has him at 36 in the country, fourth at his position, number one in the state of North Carolina. Rivals has him at 63rd nationally, seventh at his position and one in North Carolina. But then, then here's ESPN. ESPN's got him 166 in the country, 22nd at his position. Good lord, and fifth in the state of North Carolina. Again, if you're not going to do a job right, why do it at all? That is how I view ESPN on a lot of things, especially ESPN's coverage of recruiting, which is just not at all what it used to be. So anyway, enough of that. I've already I've already slammed ESPN like four times on this podcast, and we're five minutes in. It's a little ridiculous. I'm sorry. But Tennessee's done a nice job. I mean, headlined by Nico Imaliava, signed. Five-star quarterback. Five-star defensive lineman, David Hoff, signed. Nathan Laycock, one of the best evaluations in this cycle. Four-star wide receiver signed. Caleb Herring and Shadavion Bradley, four-star edge rushers. Caleb Herring, number one in the state of Tennessee. Top 100 prospect overall. Shadavion Bradley is top 150 in the country. Number two in the state of Missouri, signed. Aaron Carter, linebacker out of Smyrna, Tennessee. Top 130 player in the country, a four-star. He's signed. Cam Seldon, signed. Jordan Matthews, four-star out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He's signed. Shandavion Bradley, the only offensive tackle in this class from the high school ranks, four-star out of Georgia. He's signed top 300 player. 
Ricky Gibson, top 315 player, signed four-star out of Alabama. Tyree Weathersby, who I think is one of the best evaluations again in this class, four-star, jumped all the way up from not even as a ranked player to number 333 in the nation. That's the weighted average. On three, has him as a top 108 player overall. Um, He is signed and in the boat here. Others like Jalen Smith, linebacker, Jeremiah T. Lander, linebacker, Nathan Robinson, Trevor Duncan, defensive lineman, Larry Johnson, an offensive tackle from the junior college ranks, John Slaughter, a safety, Christian Conyer, a quarterback, Bison Lane, Jack Luttrell, Ethan Davis, the four-star tight end. How did I forget about him? Khalifa Keith, uh, the running back of this class for Tennessee, Aiden Bussell, in-state offensive lineman, Nate Spillman, in-state wide receiver. All those guys are signed. Tennessee has signed 25 uh, prospects and did sign 25 high school signees back in December. And since then, Tennessee has added. Now, this is not weighted into the recruiting rankings, but it's considered this class because of the transfer class. Tennessee signed eight players from the transfer portal, portal and wide receiver Dante Thornton from Oregon, offensive lineman that's going to play guard, Andre Kirick from Texas, Omar Norman Lott, defensive lineman from Arizona State, McAllen Castles, tied in from UC Davis. Offensive tackle John Campbell from Miami, linebacker Keenan Peely from BYU, cornerback Gabriel Judy Lolly from BYU, kicker Charles Campbell from Indiana, um, and uh, yeah, so that's that's Tennessee's class entering the day again. Tennessee will not sign a scholarship player today. So if you wake up and see all the national signing day hoopla. Don't expect anything for the University of Tennessee because Tennessee got its work done. And that's, you know, that's the majority of teams out there. That's, I mean, that truly is the majority of teams out there already got the stuff done. I mean, if you look at some of the, um, you know, on three put out a graphic yesterday, top uncommitted recruits entering National Signing Day, five-star athlete Nichols Harbor. You know, a lot of people ask me about all these prospects. If Tennessee's not in on them, I don't know who they are. This guy's a five-star, looks like his weighted industry uh, percentage is going to point him to South Carolina over Oregon. We'll see what he does today. Tight end Deuce Robinson. A lot of people have been asking about him because Nico was actively recruiting him at the Polynesian Bowl. But Deuce Robinson never made it on campus. Very well could still play baseball, but he has waited uh, 67.1% to be picking Georgia today. Cornerback Roderick Pleasant. Looks like he's going to USC. Tight end Walker Lyons. Looks like he's headed to Georgia, but that's a pretty even split. 55.9 to 38.8 in favor of Georgia over Stanford. And then off the tackle, Chimdi Ono. Looks like he is all but going to Penn State over Rutgers. So those are some of the top uncommitted players entering the day who will sign somewhere and announce their allegiance here on National Signing Day. But at the end of the day, listen, National Signing Day, it is not what it is anymore. It's just it's just not. And it's, it's okay. I mean, you've got the early National Signing period that kind of is what it is and um, – it's taken a lot of the, the the fame. I mean, this used to be a holiday. Again, I, I reference this every single day. I mean, my buddy Nathan Trower, shout out Jeffco, he used to fake sick and stay home every single day to watch all the coverage on ESPN of National Signing Day. That's just not the case anymore. Um, you get all that stuff done and out of the way for the most part in December. So uh, Tennessee's got a good class. I like Tennessee's class. Again, I think Nathan Laycock and, and Tyree Weathersby, some of the best evaluations in this entire class. I love it. Hypel. In his first two years on the job, he has got his five-star quarterback, and he's attacked the edge to get after the quarterback. In last year's class, James Pierce and Joshua Josephs. This year's class, Caleb Herring, Stephen Bradley. Um, I like David Hobbs in this class. I like this class. We'll see if Tennessee finishes at 11 or 12. It's fringe top 10 in terms of the uh, weighted consensus rankings. So 
the top 10 class according to on three but this is a good class this is a really really good class but don't expect tennessee to do anything here on national signing day because this is not five years ago and tennessee already got everything that's done back in december now the month of december you know, you've heard brent, brent hubs uh, my colleague at volquest.com talk about this a lot you know um the month in december is really really tough on coaches you are coaching out potentially a conference championship game um preparing for a bowl game or the college football playoff you are finishing school for your students you are bowl practicing you're finishing out the the class in in the early signing period uh you are trying to bring in players via the transfer portal there is so much going on and oh yeah you're adding playoff games where you could be hosting a playoff game all in the middle of that in the next couple years there is so much happening in the month of december now but you know, we'll see exactly what's going to happen in regards to, to this moving forward. Will the early national signing period be a thing in two years? We will see. Could today, National Signing Day, the true National Signing Day, be anything remotely close to what it used to be? In two years, maybe it will be. We will have to see. But for now, it is simply nothing. And, and that's okay. And that's okay because if you're a Tennessee fan, you're already in a good spot. You have already done your job back in December. All right, coming up. Some more stats on the defensive side of the football. I threw out a lot yesterday. We'll revisit those, but a couple more that you guys have been asking about. I'm going to bring that to the show here and tell you why Tennessee's defense got better. Still has a long way to go, but it got a whole lot better this year, and I'll tell you why when Locked On Balls returns this year. The only app you need for your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they're the number one sports book in America. That is FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features to make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown, all that and more. You got Philadelphia, you got to get to Kansas City. Philadelphia sitting in a one and a half point favorite per FanDuel Sportsbook. That's some value there if you take money line for Kansas City, but I'm sure that line will move around a little bit over the next week and a half. But you can check it out now and get in your early bets at FanDuel Sportsbook. This app is safe, secure, and easy to use. Best of all, you get paid for your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, guys and gals, Locked On is heading to the Senior Bowl. Get inside analysis from the hosts that cover the NFL's next generation in college and find out which NFL draft boards these players will be climbing. It's all in one location. Subscribe to Locked On the NFL for your nightly live shows from the Senior Bowl. It started last night. It'll be tonight and tomorrow, 9 o'clock Eastern time. I watched those guys down there in Mobile last night. They're doing a great job. So Locked On is Mobile bound, checking out the Senior Bowl coverage. And we're going to have some senior. We're going to talk to some of those guys as the week goes on. Going to talk to Will Bowling coming up at 104.5 The Zone. He is also down in Mobile. That's coming up in segment number three. 
But here in the middle part of today's show, welcome back into it, Lockdown Balls. Appreciate you guys. Um, I wanted to go back to the conversation about the defense. Was asked uh, Twitter Tuesday yesterday um, to, to kind of show my work, so I did. And um, I, it's a really interesting conversation because, again, was Tennessee perfect defensively? No. Was Tennessee bad in some areas? Hell yeah. Tennessee was horrendous at covering the pass. It was atrocious. 12th in the SEC. It was so bad. Did Tennessee take a ginormic, ginormous, ginormous, there we go. Did Tennessee take a ginormous step in the right direction in cutting down on yards allowed per game? No, it did not. It just cut that down by about 22 yards from 2021 to 2022. Tennessee still allowed over 400 yards of total offense a game. That's just not good enough, right? So, did Tennessee struggle in some aspects of playing defense in 2022? Absolutely. But did Tennessee improve in areas that matter? I don't want to say that actually matter because, again, you don't want to give up 400 yards of total offense. However, if you do adopt, you hear it all the time, I say it too, the bend but don't break. Stats that truly matter in a football game, you're going to be okay. And that's what Tennessee did, right? So I will go back and recount some of those stats I threw at you yesterday. But actually, we'll do that right now because that will set up my conversation here. So... Tennessee improved last year. Okay, most importantly, you can give up however many yards you want to a game, but what about the points on the scoreboard? Tennessee in 2021 gave up 29.1 points per game. That was 12th in the SEC. It improved this past season to 22.8 points per game. That's 6th in the SEC. A touchdown better, right? We went over that yesterday. We went over that. Uh, that was the important thing. What about rush defense, right? Tennessee gave up 148 yards on the ground per average last year in the SEC. That was seventh. Tennessee improved all the way up to number two in the SEC this year behind Georgia, surrendering just 115 yards on the ground per game. That is really, really good improvements. Uh, Tennessee jumped up to forcing 1.2 turnovers per game on average. That's fourth in the SEC. Uh, Tennessee allowed, remember the, the threshold now, as weird as it sounds, is 30 points. Don't let a team go over 30 points, especially in this offense. Uh, with the, the compliments of this defense. Uh, Tennessee held 10 opponents this year in 13 games. 10 of those opponents did not score 30 points. That's that's really good because Tennessee only did that six times last year in 13 games. Tennessee upped its takeaway total by six from last year. 22 takeaways this past football season from 16. And on third downs, this is one of my favorite things. Remember, I, I told you guys this yesterday. Tennessee... Last year, in 2021, okay, first year with Josh Heupel, opponents were converting on third downs on 42% of the time. They had 216 opportunities. And 216 opportunities and 216 third downs. Opposing offenses were converting them into first downs on 42% of the time. That's almost that's almost 5 of 10, right? That's almost 2 of 4. That is almost 50%. In 2022, this past football season, Tennessee cut that down to just 34% on 26 less opportunities, went from 206 chances to only 190 third down opportunities in 2022. So you go from 42% down to 34%. Okay, so you guys have already known that. I told you that on the show yesterday. All right, well, this kind of sets me up for what I want to go into today. Someone, uh, Neil, it was Neil, shout out Neil, uh, jumped in the comment section and say, hey, can you tell us about Red Zone? All right. I can indeed. I'm glad you asked because that's a really good question. It's like all this, you know about stats that matter and parts of the field that actually matter? It's, you know, you can bend, don't break in the red zone. Force trade sixes for threes, okay? And Tennessee did a good job of that. 
In 2021, opponents who got in the red zone against Tennessee's defense scored some type of points, whether it be a touchdown or a field goal, 92% of the time. That is extremely high. Extremely high. Tennessee's offense, um, I think I've got it right here, actually, just to show you that this last football season and red zone efficiency for Tennessee, Tennessee's offense, see here, scored 94% of the time in the red zone. Again, that's really, really good. In 2021, Tennessee's offense scored 84% of the time. So again, th that, that's a really, really high number. 92% of the time opposing offenses in 2021, Heupel's first season, got into the red zone. That is the 20-yard line in. They scored some type of points 92% of the time. Okay. In 2022, when opponents got into the red zone, they scored some type of points 75% of the time. So you went from 92% of the time to 75% of the time in 2022. That's a big, big time step in the right direction. In 2021, those offenses got in the red zone and scored some, some type of points 92% of the time. 72% of the time, they were scoring touchdowns. So if you got in the red zone against Tennessee's defense in 2021, nearly three-fourths of the time, you were going to find the end zone and get six. 72% of the time, you were going to score touchdowns against Tennessee's defense. And 2022... You nearly cut that whole apple in half, and opposing offenses were scoring touchdowns in the red zone 52% of the time. Now, that is what you call, um, what's the word I'm looking for? That is what, or the phrase I'm looking for, that is what you call opportunistic defense. Okay, sure, let them drive down the field all you want, but on third and goal from the seven, are you going to make that stop? On third, on on third and goal from the goal line of Pittsburgh, are you going to make that four? Are you going to make that sack to make it fourth and twenty? Fourth and goal from the twenty-two. You know that was a Trayvon Flowers play, right? Um, you know that is a step in the right direction. Tennessee went from in twenty twenty-one allowing red zone scores ninety-two percent of the time to this past season just seventy-five percent of the time. In twenty twenty-one, opposing offenses were scoring touchdowns in the red zone seventy-two percent of the time. Cut that down to 52% of the time in 2022. So, again, taking a step in the right direction. Um, someone also wanted to know plays. Plays per game, not plays per game, but total plays in a season. Uh, if you are complimenting this Josh Heupel offense, you are going to be on the field an awful lot. Why? Because Tennessee scoring drives are quick. Tennessee, if you go three and out, it takes maybe a minute off the clock. Uh, it's tough. It's tough to coach defense. It's tough to play defense. It really is complimenting an offense like Tennessee's. Um, so Tennessee was on the field for 1,010 plays defensively in 2021. It cut that down by 20 to 990 in 2022. 990 in 2022. So, again, not a big difference, but a difference nonetheless. You look at Tennessee's snap count overall. Who led Tennessee in overall snaps in 2022? It was Jalen McCullough, and he missed two ball games, right? He played 758 total snaps in just 11 games. Tamarion McDonald played 718 snaps. In 13 games, Trayvon Flowers, who played in 11 games, 699 snaps in 11 games. Those are three defensive backs leading the way. Byron Young played 665 snaps in 13 games. Aaron Beasley, 584 snaps. 
in 13 games. He had more snaps than Jeremy Banks and Jawan Mitchell. You go back, just for comparison, and look at 2021. Who led Tennessee in overall snaps? Well, let's look. This is according to Pro Football Focus. Goodness gracious, Jalen McCullough, 996 snaps in 2021. Trayvon Flowers, 914 snaps in 2021. Tim Banks loves playing those veteran safeties. Warren Burrell, who got hurt against Pittsburgh this year, 823 snaps at cornerback in 2021. Alante Taylor, 820 snaps at cornerback in 2021. Theo Jackson, 803 snaps at star in 2021. Five defensive backs led the way in 2021, so hopefully there'll be some parity there in 2023 and not just parity because of some injuries like you saw this past season. So anyway, wanted to add on to that conversation. I'm going to end up writing a story about this over at VolQuest.com because this is intriguing stuff. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Is the defense great? No. Is the defense where it needs to be? No. Is the defense taking a step in the right direction and improving in areas that are critical to winning football games? 100%. 100%. Tennessee defense has done that. All right, when we come back, Will Bowling, 104.5 The Zone, Will, uh, Kayla, and um, and Ramon's show. That is in, or it's Ramon, Kayla, and Will's show. It's in the morning, 6 to 10 Central Time. Uh, he is going to join us on the other side when we discuss Tennessee Vols in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. All right, looking at a delicious treat, but don't want all those fat and calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. I know that your goal might be to eat a little bit healthier this year. And if you're like me and you want to eat healthier, don't want to compromise the taste. Then I've got something just for you. You got to try Built. With Built, healthy actually is tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. Perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolates. That's right. That is real chocolates. They come in unbelievable flavors like peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, cookies, and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like candy bar while maintaining these incredible features. What's even better is they're healthy, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to go and wait for a box. For years, we've been telling you to order at Built.com. You can still do that, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or your Sam's Club. That's right. Head on over to Walmart today. Go to the pharmacy section. Grab a box of your built, your favorite Built Bars, or you can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, and coconut puffs at Sam's Club as well. So, Go and find them at Sam's Club or Walmart or build your or, <laughs> or order your favorite built bar still at built.com. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, guys, want to conclude our Wednesday show by checking in in Mobile for the Reese's Senior Bowl. Tennessee has three representatives down there. Of course, offensive tackle Darnell Wright, defensive end Byron Young. Those two guys are playing. Quarterback Hendon Hooker is there, but of course, he's not going through physical drills, still uh, recuperating from that ACL tear. But joining us from 104.5 The Zone is Will Bowling, one of the new hosts on the morning show, Ramon, Kayla, and Will. Will, what's up, man? What's going on, Eric? Good to see you. Uh, great to be on with you. And, uh, yeah, just enjoying the, the football, the sunshine, and the seafood. Don't know what else you can need down here. Love me some seafood, especially in the winter months. I had some a couple weeks ago. So whenever I was in uh, 
in Cabo. So can't can't beat it, man. Um, what's the scene like? It's early in the week. Uh, the time of this recording, it's on Tuesday. So uh, kind of getting practices started and meetings and interviews and all that. There'll be a whole lot more to come. But kind of what's the scene down there in Mobile for the start of the Senior Bowl week? Yeah, a really newsy day in the NFL too, right? With uh, a couple yeah. of head coach openings being filled, you know, a lot of talk about the offensive guys down here. Uh, you know, Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl, has said he feels like this is the best group of running backs that he's had here in Mobile over the last five years. Uh, you've had some good ones uh, in those crops, and that includes former Tennessee running back Eric Gray, of course, uh, who we're hoping to talk with later this week on our show, who's uh, kind of making the rounds a little bit um, and getting ready for his kind of Senior Bowl car wash, so to speak, uh, in the next two days. But um, a lot of talk about those running backs, a lot of talk about the quarterbacks, because there's been a first-round quarterback here uh, for the last six years. Probably not going to be the case this time with uh, Kentucky's Will Levis declining the invitation to come here to Mobile um, to just kind of focus on his own recovery. So uh, you've got Jaron Hall of BYU. You've got Jake Hayner of Fresno State. Um, I think a lot of talk, Eric, is in a copycat league in the NFL, who is this year's Brock Purdy, right? Who's the, the really – um, mentally kind of all there guy that might not have the arm traits, might not have the big skills, um, but can, can come in and do a job for your football team. So I think those two positions have really dominated a lot of the conversation so far. If I was Will Levis, I wouldn't get in front of uh, cameras or general managers, anybody else until I have to either. So good move on him. Um, kind of staying on the quarterback uh, train here. Of course, Hendon Hooker, he's down there. He's not going through drills or anything. It's important for him to meet, to speak, uh, to engage, and, and try to build some relationships and everything. But realistically, how much can Hendon help himself this week not being out there? Well, I think he can help a lot, right? Because we've seen the arm talent. We've seen the athleticism. I think NFL scouts are going to want to see the mental side of the game and his football IQ grow to understand an NFL offense in addition to a Josh Heupel offense, right? I think we've seen him make a lot of difficult throws. I mean, there was just on the Florida drive alone at the end of the first half. He made probably two or three NFL throws uh, just on that one possession, right? But I think NFL scouts want to see that he's understanding taking that next step. That way you avoid a a Malik Willis situation, right, Right here with the T-Titans, where if you're forced in to do a job, yes, you're maybe a developmental guy coming from a college offense that may need a year before you're ready to be a starting quarterback, but on the off chance that we need you to step in and, and do a, a job for us, not a lot of NFL teams are carrying three quarterbacks. So he's going to have to learn quickly how to know an NFL offense, how to understand working with his teammates and understanding that side of the game. You know, he spoke with media here at Mobile today and, and really echoed a lot of those, those statements and said, look, I, I feel like the cerebral part of the game, I've taken a lot of steps since the injury. Uh, time will tell just – what really the, the the examples of that look like and how he's able to really prove himself in that way. But Hendon's got a small margin for error with his age and, and coming in as a 25-year-old rookie. But at the same time, that's a lot of case. That's the case for a lot of guys uh, down here in Mobile. You know, someone I think that can really, really help themselves out this week is, is offensive tackle Darnell Wright. A four-year starter in Tennessee, he's proven he can play on the right side, he can play on the left side at an all-SC type level. He's played so much football, and he's still really young. Was very close to coming back to Tennessee and taking advantage of that COVID year and just staying in college another year. But I think this is the right move for him. Obviously, 
I feel like there's money to be made from him, um, you know, all those one-on-one -on -one battles and, and drills and, of course, the game. How big of a week is this for Darnell Wright? And, Will, a guy that has not spoken to the media but one time this year on the Vol Club Confidential, he didn't do media appearances, he didn't do hardly anything. I think this is a big week for him to be kind of known and, and kind of let people kind of behind the curtain and let them kind of know him a little bit because no one knows much of him outside of what he's done on the field. Yeah, and it's so interesting, too, talking to, to my teammate on our show here in Nashville, Ramon Foster, about him. Um, really, his re scouting report of him has been there are a lot of right tackles that are simply right tackles because they're not big or athletic enough to play left tackle. That's not the case with Darnell Wright. You know, no. he, he tells me all the time that it, it seems like there are a lot of players that are just right tackles. They're, they're perfect fits for that position. He's got the quick feet. He's just so strong and, and powerful in finishing his blocks. Uh, and it's incredible. I mean, the guy hasn't allowed a sack in the last 19 games uh, that he played at Tennessee. I think you, you think about a lot of teams needing a right tackle that, that obviously he's going to do the job for you in the run game. You feel like you have probably more maulers on the right side of the offensive line, right, than you have guys who are still elite pass protectors. Darnell Wright seems like the rare combination of a guy that could do both pretty much right away um, for an NFL team. So I'm really interested to see how he grades out here, how he grades out at the NFL Combine, and what he's able to do for himself in these meetings and interviews. And we talked with Titans GM Rand Carthon today, who essentially said, you know, in these interviews that we have down here, I just want to know if you love football. You know, I, I just want to get to know you. I want to watch how you take instruction from these coaches. From a guy we haven't heard from quite as much, I think the the process and, you know, what coaches and Mike Vrabel calls the operation of practice is so important. If he's getting instruction on switching something up in his, uh, in his pass block sets or, or quicker feet or whatever it is, um, take that guidance and, and show it on the next rep and in the next day of practice. I think it's a really big week for that side of – of who is Darnell Wright, the practice player, uh, because I think we know pretty well the film uh, speaks for itself for him. And then lastly, uh, you know, that third player in, in Byron Young, he's, in my opinion, he's going to be one of the darlings of the draft. Um, he was, and I know you know this, Mel Kuyper Jr. mocked him at number 20 overall last week, which, hey, that's awesome for him. I don't know if that'll happen, but, I mean, that, that's saying a lot. Right. Um, but, but because of his backstory, because of the – taking a couple years off of football and then going to junior college and then working at Kmart. I, I wrote the story. You wrote the, everyone on the beat wrote the story that covers Tennessee football a couple years ago, but now the NFL is kind of learning who he is and finding out that story. And so I think this will be a unique week for him, but really this entire draft process with the pro day and the combine and, and all that type of stuff. But it starts here at the senior bowl for Byron young and a chance he can go out there and prove some things. And he's a tweener, kind of an interesting yep. position there, a little too small potentially for a four, three DN would it be a stand-up outside linebacker? Would he be just a pure edge? A lot of opportunity for him this week in Mobile. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's a really good opportunity to kind of hone in some of those traits that he has. You know, it's hard to find a guy with a combination of speed and power that he has at that size and at that position, right? So uh, for a lot of guys in this process, it's not as much about showing you're a good practice player and showing the personality. I think for Byron Young, he's legitimately going to benefit from just taking coaching throughout this mm -hmm. process and being coached by, um, you know, NFL coaches and, and NFL scouts who want to talk X's and O's with him specifically, you know, the loves of Byron Young, right? They love Daryl Taylor. It, it was a similar yeah. kind of thing that got Daryl Taylor drafted as highly as he was. He's just got the traits. It, and it feels like he may be on the other end of the spectrum from Donnell Wright, 
who has the production, who has the film, who has shown you, hey, I can do a job for you day in and day out. And I think the NFL gets so enamored sometimes, oftentimes too much in certain franchises, right, with uh, what traits does this guy have that I can mold, that I can make into something. Darnell Wright, maybe not quite as much. He's just shown us he's just a really good blocker and can block the Will Andersons of the world. Byron Young's ceiling may be the highest out of anybody in this draft class for Tennessee simply because of uh, the confidence strength that he has. So I I think you're totally right. I I think he's one that's going to continue to rise. Mel Kuyper is obviously early on that train of how uh, how high he could go uh, through this draft process, but really interested to see what he can improve on. And I, I think he's got something for us in this game coming up this weekend. Will, I do want to ask you here as I, I say goodbye real quick. Of course, talking with Will Bowling, 104.5 The Zone, a morning co-host with Ramon and Kayla Anderson, Ramon Foster, of course, and a sister station over at my old stopping grounds, 99.1 The Sports Animal. Will, Tennessee, the Titans made the announcement that they're going from grass, it's heartbreaking, to turf today. Yeah. And this does kind of – it does ring a bell with the Tennessee Vols as they open the season on that field at Nissan Stadium against Virginia – What's your thoughts on going from grass to artificial turf and uh, maybe we'll cut down on some of those injuries for the uh, the Tennessee Titans? You know, I'm kind of split on it, Eric, because when Tennessee plays these Labor Day weekend games in Nissan Stadium, that field is fine. Uh, yeah. There are typically not a lot of issues in September um, in that stadium. Then when Tennessee plays in the Music City Bowl, uh, the way they have a couple of times, uh, you know, against Nebraska with Josh Dobbs in his last game and then against Purdue, that feels awful. Um, so I, I honestly think you're regressing a little bit to the mean between the two. You're, you're taking a step down in September and October. I think that field is actually getting safer and a lot better for the Titans and for any team in Nissan Stadium uh, beyond maybe the end of October and beginning of November when in, in Middle Tennessee, we've got as much rain as we do anything else in, in that time of year when it's so cold. They've, just, they've always had this issue in that stadium um, and, and they just haven't really cracked the code on making that surface as safe as possible. I'm probably in the minority that thinks turf is a better overall option than the alternative because I've seen year after year just how uh, how awful that field looks uh, by the end of the season and, and by December 30th, uh, many times the Music City Bowl is, is there. But I think the bigger story for Nashville and, and for Tennessee long term is this is an audition to not only get a Super Bowl in Nashville uh, when the new stadium comes, this is an audition to try out surfaces and see what works also for a college football playoff. Uh, when you talk about the Music City Bowl being added into the New Year Six, I think that's something that um, the Nashville Sports Council and Scott Ramsey are really serious about. This is a dry run for, for Nashville to see what works, um, and kind of begin that, I don't want to say testing process, because they have the same surface at St. Thomas Sports Park where the Titans practice every day, but begin that process of auditioning for the NFL, auditioning for the CFP, uh, because in order to, to do that, they're going to A, have to have the new stadium and have a new synthetic surface that works inside that stadium. An expensive trial run, but a trial run nonetheless for sure. And, I mean, right. you know, I, you look around, I mean, turf is so common nowadays. or safe turf. I mean, everybody plays on turf. It's really when you get to the collegiate level to where you're not using that field as a multi-purpose field like you are in the high school ranks to the lower college ranks to where you can go back to just natural grass. So. Um, it'll be interesting for sure. Hey, Will, what's uh, coming up for you guys? You guys are live doing uh, morning stuff on the on Radio Row down there all week long, right? Yeah, we are. Uh, 104.5 The Zone, 6 to 10 a.m. Central. Uh, an easier wake-up call at Eastern Time from 7 to 11. And uh, uh, we are also on outside of the Nashville area on 104.5 The Zone TV, where we broadcast 
uh, every show on video on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch uh, at 104.5 The Zone. Uh, going to be joined uh, by Titans GM Rand Carthon. We're going to um, get to that conversation right off the top tomorrow morning. Hoping having Hinden Hooker, Darnell Wright, and Byron Young uh, all on the show throughout the rest of the week. Uh, and for uh, other East Tennessee people out there, maybe some uh, some Tennessee Vols, Tennessee Mocs, Tennessee Chattanooga Mocs fans out there, uh, there's a talented interior offensive lineman, McClendon Curtis, who's making the rounds down here uh, at the Reese's Senior Bowl. Probably a day two or three guy uh, on the interior of the O-line that I know Ramon Foster's looking forward to chopping it up with. Uh, and then Henry Toa Toa is here, Eric Gray, uh, as well as Wanye Morris, all, all those Oklahoma Vols uh, making the rounds too. So uh, looking forward to chatting with all those guys throughout the next two days. Give him a follow on Twitter. He's at Will underscore Bowling. Will, appreciate it, man. Thanks so much, Eric. Anytime. All right, great stuff there for Will Bowling. Really appreciate him taking the time, uh, a few minutes of his time down in Mobile. I know he's a busy guy, but uh, check out his work. Check out 104.5 The Zone's work. They're down there all week long covering Tennessee and uh, really just the NFL down there at uh, the Reese's Senior Bowl. That is going to do it for, for this edition of Locked on Vols here on a Wednesday show. Appreciate you guys. We'll do it again, same time, same place. Coming up tomorrow, this is Locked on Vols. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.